All topics covered here are for conversational purposes only and do not constitute financial advice. Please contact Mulcahy Co. to receive advice on all matters from one of our professionals. Welcome back, Mulcahy Co. listeners, to the FS360 podcast. Financial Security 360 is what we're about here at Mulcahy Co. Um, and I am your host today, Gavin Nash, as always. I'm back down at the Geelong office uh, with Warren Freeman. G'day, Warren. Hello there. 27 degrees and sunny and beautiful Geelong. Awesome day. Great. Such days. a nice day. It's always better in Geelong than Ballarat. Um, <laughs> For a whole lot of reasons. <laughs> I've heard that Siberia is better than Ballarat. Yeah, yes. Well, I, I did leave Ballarat today and it was it was, it was was cloudy. I've got down here and it's blue sky. So it is actually a true thing. It's not even a, it's not even a fake uh, thing that we carry on about. But... Um, I'm only here a week after we were here last week, uh, Warren, talking to Trent about our commercial and business loans because uh, today we've got a couple of special guests from your team uh, with us. We've got Emily and Liam. G'day, guys. G'day. How you doing? Going well. Hi, Gav. Hi, Emily. Nice to have you on the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thanks for putting the headphones on and coming and having a chat with all of our listeners. So, no, thanks um, for joining us, guys. We, we've got these two uh, legends on, on board today because they are um, f- our finance brokers down here at Geelong. Um been working with Warren for a period of time, uh, the both of you, so we thought we'd get you on the podcast and introduce you to uh, our listeners and also um, you can sort of uh, tell our guys, uh, listeners, a little bit about your story and how you got here. So we might start with you, Liam. You've been here a little bit longer, so yeah, I'll, um, or been broking a little bit longer than Emily, so yeah, yeah. how did you come about getting to Cosine Free and Molkanko? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll call it a great story, but... Uh, I've been with Cos I'm Free for four years now, just ticked over last week, so didn't get a present for the anniversary. We might follow that one up later. It's probably a post to blame for that one. <laughs> it's in the <laughs> mail. Always <laughs> is. Uh, but four years and have been broking since the middle of 2020 now. Um, really privileged to be in the position that I'm in. I was actually contacted by a client of Warren's when I was working at the Target head offices in the support office uh, that is now in Williams Landing, doing some customer support. Got a call one day and said, look, I've just met with my mortgage broker and he's looking for someone to come and work with him. He asked if I was that person and described the attributes that he was looking for and I immediately thought of you. Would you be interested in having a conversation? And at that time, I was pretty desperate to get out of that job and come back to Geelong. But I'd also been quite interested in, funnily enough, financial podcasts at the time. Yeah, really. And wanted to dip my toes in the water there. I'd looked into things like financial planning certificates and diplomas and just wanted to see what kind of avenues I could go down. But Heading into the financial world, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, mortgage broking was completely uh, foreign to me or lending. Uh, I had no idea and you know, the education system doesn't help there. You don't know anything about credit or home loans. and We rely a lot on professionals from banks and brokers to educate us in that area. You're, you're right, like you're talking, say, high school and that sort of yeah. stuff. There's really nothing from an educational point of view, is there? Not at all. I can't remember anything. Not at I all. There. So yeah. oh, completely foreign to the concept. Um, I was only 23 at the time and was about to get married. I'd never had a home loan. I was completely foreign to that idea, but I was very open to coming in, taking on a job in Geelong, for one, but also in the industry, having my appetite wet through these podcasts and uh, interviewed for the job. I think I did a very good job because I got a call leaving the office offering me that job to come and work with Warren. That's as always a, a good sign. It is. As, as a loan processor, which was just effectively doing the admin of supporting him with the clients he was already working with in processing their deals to the banks, getting their approvals as swiftly as we can. And that was a steep learning curve from there because I was asking a lot of questions from day one, not understanding anything about property or loans. 
fortunately, Warren had really good eye for some talent and uh, really believed in the potential that I had. So right from the get-go, uh, I'd started in October in 2019. Uh, from the beginning of 2020, back when we came back in the new year, he uh, was very clear about um, some intentions to offer being a mortgage broker, but by starting with getting the studies underway and learning a bit more. And then halfway through the year, I was privileged enough to get going and doing that myself. So awesome. it's been great learning that because that is now three years ago and fortunate to be in the position I'm in to uh, deal with a lot of clients that we already had with our existing database and also helping more people, bringing more people through the door, getting them home loans, helping them set up their future. Nice one. Thanks, Liam. Coming in as a loan processor, packaging the loan, working organising uh, valuations, discussing the progress of the loan application with the client, um, talking to the bank's loan assessors was a great grounding for the broker. Um, Emily followed a similar path and she'll talk about her path shortly. Um, but it was a great apprenticeship. Yeah, I can um, imagine. Yeah. And there's nothing like, as you say, education, even university education. We've spoken to Lockie and Zach from this office on a previous podcast about coming through the accounting ranks, you know, and what you learn at uni and then what you don't know when you get to the industry anyway. So you could have undertaken a full bachelor degree in this and uh, probably still not known some of the ins and outs of the day-to-day that you will have definitely learned in that first nine months on the job. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, it, when I started, I was in the middle of a business degree uh, and I was completing that online so after some other certificates and diplomas I'd done post high school. But there's nothing that would prepare you for, for this job, nothing that would educate you in this industry except for by working in the industry. Yep. And, and we've often commented that even with the certificates and diplomas that you are required to do for mortgage broking and become qualified, they're, they're not sufficient to prepare you in this industry and I'm sure that's probably relevant to a lot of professions. A lot of industries are the same, yeah. But, but experience is the the big educator and fortunately enough within the business that we worked within, uh, Warren was a high achiever, high performer for many, many years, dealing with hundreds of thousands of uh, dollars uh, with every loan that we would do uh, and I think at that time it was $150 million plus per year that he was uh, writing in loans which to his credit, was still one of the top uh, in terms of number of applications being done, one of the, I think, top five or maybe even number one with how many he was doing at that time. In the nation, basically. In the yeah, nation, yeah. correct. Yeah. Um, there's no better educator than frequently doing these applications uh, and the more the more hands-on we got within the industry and processing these loans, the more that we learn, uh, as opposed to Unfortunately, some of the average brokers out on the street are writing up to $8 million or $10 million in loans a year. You could be doing that for 10 years and get to your $100 million mark. We're doing that in a 12-month window. You learn so much and you're, you're so hands-on with each lender and each client gathering that experience. And I can imagine every different situation too. So you've got, you know, you've got your couples coming in or whatever or a single operator or anyone, like every possible client and their situation you will see in that time so and these days we're doing the 100 million in in four months or less than four months so it's it's what Liam is saying saying is that he and Emily are exposed to a, a lot of clients a lot of different banks um and this is selling terribly arrogant it's a privilege for them because in other firms they might only see half a dozen loans a month yep absolutely You're seeing that a day yes exactly <laughs> Um, over to you, Emily. So can you give us a bit of a rundown on uh, how you got to be a finance broker? 
Yeah, and with yeah. Cosm Free and Molkanko here. Yeah, so I originally met Warren about 14, 13 or 14 years ago. Uh, a friend of mine recommended his good friend, the mortgage broker, for me to get some help with my loan that wasn't uh, going so well. So I met with Warren. He got me all sorted, refinanced me, uh, had a couple of interactions with him over the next nine years or so to, to buy another property. Came in one day to, to build my dream home. Finally got to that point. And he offered me a job. I thought it was a, a bit of an offhand remark. I said, why don't you just come work for me? And a couple of days later, I got a text message saying, when can you start? It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, if you meant it, hold on a moment and I'll uh, go and resign. So <laughs> I started a few weeks later and, yeah, processing loans, very similar to Liam. Yeah, so that similar base, um, base knowledge coming through. Absolutely. Yep. And Emily's seen a lot of the change and growth in the business so when I first met Emily as her mortgage broker uh, I visited her home which was a, a unit might have been the one in Torquay Road perhaps uh, it was in Belmont in Belmont yeah yep. so I was doing home visits back then and she saw me progress from that to then renting an office to then buying an office and and then she joined me as an employee yeah, and in a similar role or same role as Liam yeah yeah so I started probably two months before Liam um, then he came on board and we bounced off each other a lot. Um, both had very steep learning curves. Um, but yeah, doing it together was, was really, really great. And he moved into that broking role and I took over managing the, the processing team. So we hired quite a few staff throughout COVID, um, had quite a few wins, some that weren't, you know, maybe suited to the job. It's a bit of a tough gig sometimes. Um, and then, yeah, the team are doing fantastic. They're able to... to really work autonomously, don't really need someone looking over their shoulder anymore. So I've been able to step into a broking role sort of mid last year. Nice one. So, and it shouldn't be underestimated, this whole conversation's all happened while COVID was on, Warren, as well. So yeah, it's, a, it's sort of a, an, un, well, it's not an unusual time because some businesses suffered heavily through COVID. Other businesses actually thrived through COVID because of different different reasons around the pandemic yeah i actually um we were quite proactive in sending client uh, staff home to work from home mm -hmm. um before the government enforced it and did all the shutdowns and um i sat in the office in jerringham street with a couple of little tears running down the cheeks going my gosh what's going to happen how are we going to get through this how long can i continue the business and pay the salaries i was thinking that things would go downhill quickly but on the contrary, we all saw the incredible growth, particularly in regional Australia and, and the property boom. We've spoken about it on previous pods. Yeah. Sort of, I think Geelong experienced sort of a 25% growth in property yeah. value, didn't it, in, through yeah. that time? So yeah. and People working from home, um, I'm sure they're all Googling who had the best interest rate and were getting a lot of loan inquiry. <laughs> they had time on their hands to research their mortgage and, and use us. So we got busier and we did actually grow through that period. I had no need to be concerned. Yeah, that's great. Because uh, I think the pandemic was su such an unknown, but for you two to take the leap of faith, must have been uh, pretty happy that Warren was a uh, good mentor for you both coming through that time. I oh, couldn't ask for a better mentor, really. No, I don't think there is one. Okay, thank you, guys. <laughs> right, that, we're going to put a line there. That's <laughs> enough patting Warren on the back, so yeah. that's it. Thank you. No, very good. So that's great to hear your stories, guys. Um, I thought uh, for our listeners today, Warren, to sort of – to give them an example of uh, maybe some situations that the two uh, brokers here have been involved in, so Liam and, and Emily, um, with some of their clients and maybe some of their uh, sort of wins that they've had with their clients might be a good way of explaining sort of their service to their clients. So have you got a couple of stories for us, Liam? 
Oh, in terms of the value that we add for people, uh, and not to give a biased approach or anything, but there's no other way to do it than through the broker, uh, as opposed to going to directly to the bank. And look, we've got over 40 lenders on our panel. Uh, we've got a lot of, uh, given what we mentioned before about the experience we get over a 12-month window with the volume of loans that we write, we learn these policies very quickly. Uh, we're in touch with these banks quite regularly. And as a result, we know what lenders are offering with their interest rates, the discounts that we can negotiate, the policies that are required for an individual. And someone might think that their position is quite unique. Uh, that is often the case. Fortunately, uh, when, when it comes to people who have wages, they're an employee, not running their own business and self-employed, a lot of the time it's quite vanilla, quite straightforward with the lending options that they have. And given how much business we do, we know what the uh, outcome could be when we meet with a client. But sometimes it's not that simple. And I know very recently we, I added a lot of value for some really good friends from, of mine who over 18 months ago committed to buying a piece of land. And for anyone who has bought land recently has had a rude shock with uh, perhaps the developments being a little bit slower than what they expected them to be their building prices going up and then also interest rates going up, which makes it very difficult for them to afford not just their build, but money that they want to borrow for the build. Yes. And originally, these friends of mine, they had planned to use their parents as guarantors uh, and they were going to save up their money and do it. And, and admittedly, back in June of last year, when the rate increases were just commencing, uh, they had no problem with qualifying for their finance. Then as we manage their land development, uh, we keep in touch and saying, this is what's happening with your land. And about three months prior to their land being expected to title, we'll reach out, have a new conversation about where they're at with their lending so we can start their application. And things weren't good. So, so the everything out of their control had changed. Yes. So it's nothing that they'd done. Correct. Just that the whole uh, industry had changed a little bit with rate, rates going up yep. and building prices going up and a whole lot of that stuff that came out of the pandemic. Everything for them went wrong. Uh, and I was commenting with uh, Flint, who in our office was managing their file, their application and their settlement at the moment. He even commented earlier today that everything that could have gone wrong with this file has gone wrong. And that, that's the bit the customer never wants to hear. But unfortunately, sometimes it just happens, doesn't it? For a lot of different reasons. Absolutely. And, and when we had this conversation uh, three months ago when we were starting the loan application process, I being good friends of mine, but also being the professional I am, I, I said to them, I'm quite concerned about how you are going to get your finance. I don't think you realise that this is not just going to happen. Some of the numbers are adding up, but I think you need to go and negotiate uh, increases in your pay and start asking your parents for money. It's good that they can be guarantors, but the difference between a guarantor and a gift from a parent uh, can mean a lot. If you're getting a gift from a parent, you don't have to borrow as much money from the bank. But if you've got a guarantor, you still need to borrow that money from the bank and require that borrowing capacity or a bigger borrowing capacity, which they did not have. Now, fortunately, they did go and negotiate some pay rises and they received some bonuses from their employer, but the policies still didn't add up for us to use all of their income. Fortunately, about six weeks ago, one lender had changed their policy and if they were dealing with their um, original bank and their parents' bank, the yellow and black, uh, this would not have got done. Uh, I'm not even sure what they would have done. I'm pretty sure in this scenario that they would have had to forego everything and would have lost all deposits that they'd paid on their land and on their build contract. Really? 
Because I suppose that the thing is, uh, the point you've made there is you're aware of what these lenders are doing and mm. changing within their loan offerings. Whereas, you know, if that client walks into their bank on the corner that they've gone to since they were 15, they may not have changed there. So nothing's changed for that particular bank. So, And the thing is, Gav, very often when the clients are looking to put their deposit on land and they might expect that the land will title in 6 to 12 months, which can then become 18, 24, as Liam was saying, they'll come into us and Liam would pre-assess or Emily would pre-assess their borrowing capabilities and say, look, Based on today's rates, your income, um, the size of your family, no dependents, whatever, yes, you're eligible. But even putting an application at that time and getting them pre-approved is pointless because the pre-approval expires and in six months' time it's not worth the papers written on. And if rates have gone up or if they've had a baby Conditions or gone out of a car loan, yep. yeah. so in the we, industry. we'll pre-assess them, say, at, right at this moment you qualify for finance so that'll give them the confidence to put their deposit down then they need to make sure they don't change their situation don't get pregnant don't get a lease on a porsche etc <laughs> big credit card but then yeah. as you said some things are out of their control such as interest rates rising and every time the rates go up borrowing capacity generally goes down yep sure so we have had a lot of clients over the last few years waiting for their land to title in these precarious situations. But for me, you know, I've worked for over 25 years building this business to have the expertise of Liam and Emily where he has got his finger on the pulse and has identified a change in one bank's policy because that's the other thing. Banks, you might not change your personal situation. You might not get pregnant, throw in your job or get a lease on a Porsche. Rates may not go up either, but banks can also change their policies which will then determine whether you qualify or not. That's that, that's that bit that's out of your control. Yeah. You know, but if you haven't got the finger on the pulse, as you say, Warren, yeah. then there's no way to know that that's happened. So you need a broker who has got 30 or 40 lending options, mm. but that broker also needs to have their head over all of those options. And that is the hardest part of our job and why I'm fortunate to have Emily and Liam because they do keep their head over the changes. They don't just stick to three or four lenders and try and squish the client into box A, B, C or D. Liam, um, as a good broker should do, was searching constantly for a solution and when a bank changed the policy, he was aware of it because he kept up to date. And, uh, you know, you had the extra pressure, Liam, of you knowing the first people personally, friends of yours, so you desperately wanted to get that result. And is there some good news at the end of yeah, all that? Yeah, great news. I remember the day that the email landed uh, where there was this policy update, and, and it was a very simple one. The bank had changed their policy from needing two years of bonuses to use that income for an application to one, as well as a couple of other things lining up. So we're not just talking about one policy changing. It's about everything that the bank was offering. Right. So they were also needing to take advantage of something that would have been discussed previously, the first home guarantee. They did not have a 20% deposit, which is why they may have used a guarantor, but they only had a 5% deposit that they'd paid between their land, their building contract and savings at the time. So we needed a few things to add up. And this bank had just joined the new home guarantee, or the first home guarantee, uh, started doing that from July 1. They just changed their policy that they would use one year of bonuses. And all of a sudden, we now have the beautiful option of having enough borrowing capacity. Whereas we could point to 
an, an array of lenders on the panel and say, oh, they've got the right policy here, but they don't have access to the first-time guarantee. Yeah. Or whoever's got the first-time guarantee, they needed two years of bonuses and none of them were doing it. And it was the perfect change. And this bank had just come on with that first-time guarantee in July and then changed their policy in September. And last Tuesday, I was very excited making the phone <laughs> call to these guys to say that their finance had been approved. They recalled the conversation we'd had a couple of months previous as well, saying we did not know what we were going to do. Now, at the end of the day, a good broker should give you as much comfort as possible and try and relieve as much stress from the application process. But the reality is it's going to be stressful, especially if it's your first time. Now, I didn't have another option to create more comfort for them two months ago. I did have to hit them with the reality that they could be losing their deposits and needed to find any way possible to try and make it happen if they wanted to build their first home. And that did create some anxiety. But I remained calm in that process and tried to guide them through those options that they had, talking yep. with their parents. Unfortunately, their parents were reluctant to help in any way of gifting money at that time. And that's why it was very fortunate that we had the option come through, that these policies opened up. But last Tuesday, it was all approved. And now next Tuesday, they will settle on their land and it will be on time as well. There's not going to be any issues any penalties, penalties or, yep. um, which those things were a legitimate threat to uh, their deposit and putting down more money into this. Uh, and they couldn't be happier. But I can proudly say that there was only one lending option out there. Of the 40 or so that we've spoken about already. Absolutely. Yeah, there was and just the one and you had to find it. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and look, to not, not to um, pump my, my own tyres up, I don't know if another broker would have come across the solution either. Yep. Um, I was mindfully watching this, uh, looking for options for them and constantly in contact with them on a professional and a personal level. So every time I'd seen them as well, there was always that little bit of... On the side, what what can we do about the finance? There's yep. a little bit of tension there. And it was really, really awesome to just see an option come through, get their finance approved and celebrate over that. And, and they're stoked. And that's what we hope to get for the outcomes of our all of our clients. We want to celebrate in that way every time someone gets their finance approved. Some are much harder than others. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some are far more challenging. And the more challenging ones are much easier to celebrate. And these guys are really appreciative of what we've managed to do for them. Otherwise... Their future could be completely different. They could have been throwing away tens of thousands of dollars in lost deposits. Now they're building their first home. Yeah, nice one. And it does kind of hark back to our um, motto here at Mulcainco about you know assisting our clients to find and maintain financial security. Because you know if, if you have a big setback like that at that age, you know you may may take a long time to recover from that. So having someone like you on board to find that solution has really helped that that couple get into financial security. So, well done, mate. Thank it's you. A good little win. It's nice to be able to um, change people's lives. I think we all turn up at work every day to, to do what we need to do, but I think there's always the odd occasion where you can change somebody's life and it's, uh, and it's really, really uh, satisfying when it happens. So, thanks, Liam. I'm going to throw to you, Emily. Have you got a little story for us of uh, anything that's happened in the last little while I you'd do. like to share? I do. I've got, you know... Could think of probably a dozen examples, but one that that really sticks with me is a, a young lady, single lady, came in to me. Um, she'd already been to her branch, who told her that they couldn't help her. She'd purchased a townhouse that was due to title again, another construction loan, uh, about twelve months ago, and had been into her branch. They told her it was all fine, no problems at all. Come back to us in June, we'll get your loan done. She went in in June, and they said we can't help you. You're just going to lose your deposits. Um, someone that she knew recommended that she come in and see us. So she came in 
very deflated. She was pretty upset when we started chatting. I uh, had a bit of a conversation with her. She was self-employed. So we were relying on income that was almost 12 months old from her, her 2022 returns. Like her tax returns, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. often for a, yeah, when you haven't got a salary and a pay slip, often the, the banks are looking um, – or the lenders are looking at your, your tax return from the year before, aren't they? That's right. But she'd, she'd had quite a good year in 2023 – but we, we didn't have any documentation a bank was going to use so that we could rely on that income. Um, there was a couple of other things that were coming into play as well. So we thought maybe her land had gone up in value. Um, and we were sort of having a bit of a chat. Now that we're, we're part of Mulcahy Co, we've got accountants in the office here. I was able to actually drag in one of the accountants on the spot, one of our partners. He came in, we had a bit of a conversation. And this was the week before June 30. So at the time, we were talking about what her income would look like if we could get 2023 returns completed. Um, pretty, pretty fast. Very, yeah. very fast. Yep. Uh, was able to, again, over 40 lenders. So was able to narrow down the one lender who would allow us to use her tax returns the second that they were done. Didn't have to be lodged, didn't have to be finalised. I mean, it had to be finalised, but didn't have to be lodged. We didn't need her notice of assessment. So we didn't have to wait two weeks to be able to use it. And they would let us use the value of the land now that had gone up since she signed her contract, right. even though it hadn't been a full 12 months yet. So we're able to, to narrow all of that down. Um, the accountant had the returns drafted, ready to go. Monday the, the 3rd of July, very first day of the year, was done, um, which was very lucky because we settled only probably two weeks later. Yep, great. So without having the accountants here, without knowing that that one lender would allow us to do those two things in combination. I, she, yeah, she may yeah. have lost. Yeah, again, she uh, like Liam's client, yeah, lost a deposit. Maybe taking a step back into that journey to financial security. Great that you've mentioned that you're know, using the team down here because I think that that was always part of your dream, wasn't it, Warren? With Cosm Free to join Mulcahy Co. Uh, into this situation where we have got a lot of experts under the one roof. We're not just a broking firm. We've got accountants here. We've got lawyers in the office here in Geelong. We've got financial planners. I'm the marketing guy. I come down once a week or so. So you sort of you have got some experts you can pull into a meeting to help. It was the next logical step in the Cosine Free Maturity, the development to merge with Mulcahy. And you know we've now been almost two years on board with Mulcahy. That's right. And still calling ourselves Cosine Free and gradually getting our clients. We've got thousands of clients, and we didn't want them to think Cosine Free closed shop. That's just never going to happen. But gradually getting them used to the notion that we are merging with Mulcahy. So it's gone from Cosine Free Home Loans at Mulcahy's office to Cosine Free Home Loans, proudly a part of Mulcahy. And you might have noticed our branding colour has changed from maroon to the blue of Mulcahy. And the Mulcahy M is now dead set centre of the Cosine Free logo. And very shortly, the Cosine Free name will be put to sleep. Um, I'll probably drink a good bottle of champagne and shed a few tears when that happens. <laughs> but it's a chapter that closes in a wonderful book and the next chapters are more exciting. It's a logical pr progression, our professional development. And to have conveyances here, lawyers, accountants, planners, marketing, uh, wonderful professionals that just give our clients, our thousands of clients, so many more services, it enriches what we do. And all under the one roof too. I think that's the thing. It it. We've spoken about it before on other podcasts, uh, Emily, but having someone in the other room that you can say, look, can I just grab you for five minutes and listen to this situation? Is there something we can do here? Yes, we can go ahead and do that 
pretty fast when, as you said, you know, uh, it was only a matter of a week later that, the, you know, that they were finished and two weeks later that the loan was all finalised. But, you know, if you go and, and ring up a professional now of any kind, architect or anyone, that two or three weeks has gone before you even had the first appointment you know, with somebody. Exactly so right. when someone says, oh, go and see your lawyer or go and see your conveyancer, go and see your accountant and come back to us, uh, you guys can sort of – you've got everyone in under the one roof. And we actually are all under the one roof here, aren't we, guys? Sort of all sitting in a, a big open plan office. What I, what I really hope out of this podcast, I hope there's a lot of the older listeners um, – who we can sway their opinion from using the bank to using a broker because quite often or, or sometimes uh, we'll have a father usually um, who'll tell their daughter or their son, you know, why are you using a broker? Why don't you just use the bank? Because mm. um, they just don't understand. They're a bit old school. Yep. And I think the way Liam and Emily have spoken today, if you're listening to this, hopefully you are now convinced that you will tell your son or daughter to use a broker because we do act in their best interests and we do have – if there's an ethical solution out there, we will find that ethical solution. And I think um, we have mentioned this in the past, guys, but you, you'll remember the actual words for me, but there's a guarantee, isn't there, uh, uh, that you have to prove that you're doing the right thing by your client. The best interest duty. Best interest duty. So that I keep forgetting law, what that is. Yeah. But brokers, as I repeat it every podcast we talk about with you guys, but I think it's a really, really distinct point. Brokers have to complete that duty – and uh, prove to the government that they are doing the right thing by their client, whereas banks don't need to do it. So I think that that purely in itself should convince you to think that a, a broker is in my best interest. So. Yeah. And what I love about listening to Emily and Liam is the passion and the smile on their face. You, you obviously can't see it in the podcast, but um, they're carrying forth that baton that, that I would like to think that I've held for 25 years of putting the client's needs first. I think there's a wrong perception of brokers chasing commissions and, you know, how do I know you're not going to take us to the bank that pays you the most? Well, you just don't last in this industry if you're chasing commission. Yep, absolutely. Um, but the way these guys work with their heart, um, they're so ethical, uh, and that's why I said if, if there's an ethical solution out there, we will find it. Um, they do things properly, but with the client's best interests always at heart. And the other good thing too, Warren, we should mention is you've mentioned it, Emily, before, but the team that's behind you. So, you know, do you want to give us a few comments on the team and how they support the brokers and what you do here? Absolutely. So we have a, a whole team. So there's Liam, Warren, and I acting as as finance brokers, um, and then we have a, a whole team of file managers. So I used to manage that team. I trained the majority of them, um, and they're they're fantastic. In the Emily way. In the Emily, of course, yeah. So they they do it the do right it the way. Emily way, yeah. Emily way, the right way. It's the I same like thing. That. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they're they're available eight hours a day, nine hours a day. Hey, aunt's available a little bit longer than that, but she shouldn't be. Um, Monday to Friday. So when the three of us are caught up with clients, we could be away from our desk for a couple of hours and unable to respond to a client who's got an urgent inquiry. They're available. They know the client. They know the file almost as well as what we do. And in 99% of the cases, they can actually respond to the client. Yep, they perfect. can't offer any advice, um, but of course they can always interrupt us if it is an extremely urgent thing. doesn't matter what we're sure. doing. Um, but yeah, they're, they're around all the time. So clients are saying, oh, you know, I can't get my broker on the phone, things like that. You have another person. So that every single client has effectively got at least two people that can help them. In contact at any time. Exactly. And the rest of the team. The rest of the team have got access to every file note. So 
if if someone calls us, anyone who answers the phone should be able to assist with their inquiry by looking at the information that we already have on file. Yep, and, and I think that's a really important uh, message to get across, Warren and Liam, because I think there's a, probably a whole lot of brokers out there that don't have that admin support in behind, um, especially you know, Alicia a couple of podcasts ago. Alicia is our uh, uh, loan review uh, team leader, so she's got sort of three people in a home home loan review team that every 12 months you know, your home loan gets reviewed so whether you like it or not we're going to do it um Absolutely. so i think there's always uh there's some really nice things happening with the team and the support as you said emily you've been key in training those guys getting up to the to scratch so that they know the industry inside out and then we also have alice our uh, office manager god of all things who knows every client and every lending question in the world who's takes most of our inbound calls we should get Alice on a podcast, Warren, I think. She's, she's been here a long time. She's yeah. she's uh, very shy unless she's DJing. So <laughs> she has an alter ego where she DJs on a Saturday night and she takes pride in the fact that um, she's the conservative finance person Monday to Friday but the outrageous DJ on a Saturday night. Nice. Yeah. Many, many colours does Alice have. <laughs> Everyone's got a colourful sort of something they do on the side Warren, haven't and, they? whether it's supporting the cats or being a dj or something yeah. so but eight yeah. years with us alice now she's our yeah. longest uh, serving uh, staff member and she the clients adore her yep she's really the concierge yep all right guys we wanted to get into the weeds a little bit with um rates uh, especially when we're talking about fixed and variable i'll start with you liam so if, if someone walks into the office today and says Interest rates have gone up over the last 12 months. What should I be doing? Should I be fixing? Should I be, you know, sticking with a variable interest rate? What, what, what do you say to them? Yeah, it's a really difficult question to answer because we don't have the crystal ball that's going to tell us what the future of rates is. And it's going to come down to that client's circumstances on what's most important for them. Sure. And if there are any further changes, what are they willing to wear if that change takes place? And what I mean by that is if you were looking at a variable interest rate, the, this implies that your rate is subject to any movement and usually that's dictated by the RBA, Reserve Bank of Australia, that meets on the first Tuesday of every month, except for January, uh, and they will dictate what the cash rate is. Banks will usually pass that on and that's what we've seen over the last 18 months. That's uh, where we've seen the rates go up, up from where they were, yeah. record lows through COVID. Correct. So for anyone who's had a mortgage over the last 18 months who did not have a fixed rate mortgage, they would have seen their interest rate going up uh, typically monthly. Uh, there's been some exceptions there. And if you are willing to uh, ride out the changes in the interest rates, well, then the variable rate may be right for you. Uh, the other side of that is the fixed rate mortgage where you will have a set rate for a period of time that is usually between one and five years uh, set by the lender and that's not set by the RBA. Uh, they will follow interest rates that are pr predicted for the variable rate, usually set by their professional economists that also cannot predict the future. Uh, sure. And they will be offered a one-year, two-year, three-year, four-year or five-year contract with a set rate and set repayment for that period of time. There, there's both pros and cons with both of them. Well, I can imagine, say, somebody that uh, has got a fixed income, for example, you know, either you're on wage or salary or maybe you've had a baby and you're going down to one wage or whatever, a fixed rate may be attractive because you want to know, predict what you're going to be spending every month, whereas variable will go up and down a little bit or can, as we've seen in the last 12 months. So yeah. there's, uh, that's where it's interesting you say about the individual you know, situation because 
that's the thing. It, there's no one-size-fits-all for any lender, is there? Absolutely. And we can't tell people what to do. Sometimes it comes down onto uh, showing them what the advertised rates are and whether or not they're willing to fix or remain variable. And that was the conversation we were having two to three years ago. When rates were low 2%, the fixed rates were starting with a 1%. And the reason they started with the one was because the RBA were telling everyone that the rates weren't going to change until 2024. However, here we are, in the middle of 2022, they started to increase and they're a lot higher here at the end of 2023 now. So at the moment, we're dealing with a lot of people who came off their two-year fixed-rate mortgage that may have been 1.89% for the last 24 months, and they're going to go up to around about 6%, whatever their lender might be offering. And we're reviewing those interest rates with people and having several conversations uh, on a daily basis about what their plans are and whether or not it's going to be too expensive for them and their lifestyle, whether or not there's been any changes, like you mentioned, had a baby, lost income, salary has changed. And as you've just mentioned earlier on the podcast, Liam, like the, the banks can change their policies and things like that. So maybe there's a different lender now that suits their situation that didn't suit their situation back then. So And jumping a, a few percent like that you know, is, is a big jump, isn't it? Yeah, the um, clients sometimes think that fixed rates are always going to be lower than variable or aren't variable rates cheaper than fixed? And no is the answer to both of those. It varies. And, and over the 25 years that I've been broking, there's been many times when fixed have been cheaper than variable, such as when we were getting uh, two years ago 1.84 fixed and variables were in the low twos. And there's been other periods where the fixed rates have been higher. And that's the way it is at the moment um, we're negotiating for most of our home loan clients rates um, under the 6% mark from around about the 5.6 mark, but your fixed rates start with the 6. So if you want to fix and get that security today, you're going to pay a premium. You're going to pay a little bit higher interest yeah. rate for it. And but anyone it doesn't mean it's not right for well, the certain right. person in their situation. And it doesn't, and we won't know if it's right until that crystal ball comes into uh, more clarity in months to come. Someone might demand today, nope, I want to fix my interest rate and I'm willing to pay more for it today. And in six months' time, that could be vindicated if rates have gone to seven. However, if, as many bank economists are predicting, rates turn around and start dropping in 2024, 2025 then fixing your interest rate today at 6.2 could have been a bad idea. We won't know that until the future. I think the most important thing for anyone who'd be listening out there would be that it's a conversation about their circumstances. Uh, ideally, uh, that may be a conversation with your mortgage broker at Mulcahy. Uh, it may be a conversation with a financial planner who's allowed to give you financial advice specific to your circumstances. But people do need to understand that we can't tell them what to do. It's really going to come down these pros and cons that you get from a variable a fixed rate mortgage or maybe even a combination of both of them. I was going to mention that too, Emily, about the splitting of uh, variable and, and you know uh, fixed rates because it's, it's certainly before I started doing these podcasts with Warren, it, I didn't really understand that you could even do that. So can you run us through what that means? Absolutely, yeah. It sort of gives you the best of both worlds. So if you've got a mortgage of, for example, $300,000, you could split a, a, that loan into two sections. So we would try and work out over, let's say you wanted to fix for five years. Over that five-year period, what's the maximum of extra repayments you think you can make? Let's say you think you can pay down the loan by $50,000. We would keep that $50,000 portion of the loan variable to allow you to make the, those extra repayments. It will give you the flexibility to do that and may or may not come with an offset account, which you can use to reduce your interest as well. 
and we would fix the remainder of your loan, the 250000 that was remaining, on your fixed rate so that that is secure. You know exactly what your repayments are going to be over the longer term. Because that's the thing. So once you fix, if you were to fix 100% of your loan, for example, you lose some of those other flexibility options like an offset account or... Most times, yeah, yes. There are yeah. a couple of lenders that do offer it, um, but it's, it's very, very rare. So, so it's definitely not a, not, not a cut and dried situation of what rate am I getting? Is that my, the best rate? You know, it's not just a conversation about rate, is it? Because there's all these other variables in there that to do with your situation. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Even, even borrowing capacity can be affected by whether it's a fixed rate or a variable rate. Right. So okay. we've, we've had clients where they qualified for their loan if they did all variable, but not if they fixed some or all of their loan. Mm. So we used our NAUS there. Again, I'm not, not sure how many brokers or bank managers would have thought of it, but we've said to some clients, take variable now so you qualify to get that property. As soon as it settles, we can then fix the loan. And once they've got the loan, we don't have to reassess them to fix the loan. So, Yeah, it's, it's just there's, uh, the more and more I talk to you guys as brokers, the more you, you learn from a layperson's point of view. I often come to these podcasts as the person that's not very financial. So you start to think, gee, there's actually a lot of um, chess pieces in this game. Uh, and if you don't have the, the broker in the background, it can really sort of, um, you can be at a disadvantage, I suppose. Um, how much of the uh, process, Liam, is education with clients? Like it seems like... You're not a financial advisor, so you can't give the advice, but you're giving them the options and educating. So is that is that a real kind of key component to what you do? Absolutely. As we alluded to earlier, the education in terms of high school and then beyond that with tertiary education, it doesn't prepare you for credit or loans. Uh, so when people walk through the door, whether it's their first home loan or maybe not even just their first home loan, depending on the conversations they've had at the table with their family prior to that point, or if they've dealt with a previous broker or bank manager, they may have little to no knowledge in these areas. And that's where our, our, uh, our role is crucial to be an educator. Uh, one of the reasons is it actually builds relationship with the client, uh, creates a level of trustworthiness so that we are acting on their best interests and they actually see that. That's important. We want to be able to communicate the things that we are doing to our clients, like educating them and everything that we offer within our services. But I find that most people who come through the door, that conversation that we can relay, we're dealing with this day in and day out. You know it. Like yeah, you yeah. said, layperson, anyone who's out there who's not within the industry, I'm not going to expect you to understand everything. Uh, and that's often why we have professionals in many corners. Well, it's like when the plumber turns up and they go, right, well, the, the pipe that goes under there should be this size and whatever. And you think, well, I don't need to know that. It's great mm -hmm. that they're informing me of that, but they are the expert. That's that's who I'm relying on to make sure that pipe's in good order and same thing with, with broking. Absolutely. And if it weren't for the education, I don't know how I could build a greater level of confidence from our client in the relationship that we have and that I am doing the right thing for them. And at the end of the day, we cannot tell you what to do we don't want to make decisions on your behalf either. That's the wrong way to represent you. We want to guide you. We want to educate you so that you feel like you could do our jobs. I often joke about that when people come in. If we get to the end of this appointment and you feel like you can do my job, I've done a great job. <laughs> of the education component. It's very good. Yeah. I mean, and, and that education is two ways. I mean, we want to educate our client about finance and we use the term in the last podcast, we're finance translators. We translate bank speak to layman yes. speak and vice versa but we need the client to educate us we need to learn about their goals their directions their finance journey so that we can get the correct path to get there it's 
exactly what I was going to say, Warren. I was going to say that the reason that clients need to come in and they need to tell us everything, lay all the cards on the table, tell us what they want to do so we can tailor the right solution for them. But there's a reason we have the whiteboards and the markers in the office here. I feel like I'm a teacher. I, I think, you know, someone comes in for an hour appointment and the first 30 minutes of that is me learning about them, them learning about me, and then us working out a solution together. Taking a heap of notes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, they, they make the decision. Because they, as they you, also uh, will take photographs of the whiteboard after Emily and Liam have done their drawings and this is how an offset account works or whatever. They'll take photos with their smartphone and they're quite excited. They leave empowered. Because exactly. the thing is, the last thing you would want to do is is have your home loan signed up, let's say, with an offset account with your split of your fixed and, and variable rate and then not live your life, live your financial transactions knowing all of that because – it's almost like the next few years of you living with that home loan, if you're doing the right thing with your offset account and make sure your wage goes into the offset account and all that stuff, you don't go ahead and do that. Well, there's no use to doing it. And there's another benefit of our home loan reviews. It's not just reviewing the loan to make sure the rate's good. Very often, after they've left here with the education, they've got the right loan for their, their suitability. When we do the review nine months later, they might not be using their offset. They didn't have the confidence or weren't quite sure... So the review can also look at that and give them a bit more education or even get them back into the office purely to teach them again how to get the best out of their loan and their, and their features and their facilities. So, it, And it's also, uh, you know, the thing that you learned from your broker a year ago or two years ago, you know, you, you could always do with a refresher on. And as you say, your life changes. You know, if there's one constant thing in life is that things change. The other benefit that the education brings is that, you know, not every loan is right for each person. We, we've described different policies, situations based on wages and self-employed. If we don't do our job as an educator, people will walk out and then talk to their buddy, whether it's back at home, back at the office and say, oh, the easy thing for you to ask your mate is what's your interest rate? Mm. Because everyone's going to refer to that as the standard of how good's my home loan and maybe how good's my broker. Uh, and, and it's not as simple as that. You know, Warren often says that you get what you pay for and sometimes the cheapest rate is not what's best for you. It's the least flexible loan or, or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. But then it also might be, you know, what actually wasn't about the interest rate, it was about the lender and the other objectives they helped you to achieve, whether that was because you're a business owner or on wages or perhaps another goal because it was mentioned before again that some lenders have different measures for borrowing capacity and you might be at a particular lender with a particular interest rate because that lender would lend you more as opposed to limiting your borrowing capacity and not helping you to achieve your goal. So interest rate may not be the highest priority. It may be further investment properties or it may be using more income for the borrowing capacity to achieve those goals. Even building that house on that block of land that we spoke about earlier, Liam. Absolutely. Yeah, getting that getting that build underway, so... No, that's great, guys. And the fees as well. Um, and that's why the banks have got the comparison uh, rate, which is a great idea that doesn't always work. But it's, it's supposed to say um, to the, the client, what is your true rate when we factor in the fees associated with the loan? Um, unfortunately, it doesn't work perfectly. But again, that's where we step in and help to educate the client um, on, on factoring in um, the rate versus the fees. Yep, absolutely. And and that and there's lots of different rules around those fees, isn't there, Warren? Like some some uh, banks will say you've got an establishment fee of this and then a yearly fee of that and you have to have a credit card associated with the loan and all that stuff. So there's all that stuff to take into account when you're sort of thinking about a home loan. 
No, that's great. No, thanks, guys, for your time today. I think it's been really um, good to uh, meet a couple of the brokers that are in the, in the, uh, in the team here at Geelong. Um, as you said, Warren, they're supporting you as they always have. Um, but, yeah, bringing them through the ranks, it's a great way to, to hear that they've come on board through the ranks of the, of the Cosm Free uh, business, which, as you said, is now becoming Mulcahy and Co Lending in Geelong. So, now great to hear from you both. And um, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having us. Nice one. Thanks, thanks guys. Dan. Look forward to the next podcast. See you then. Thank you. You've been listening to the FS360 podcast brought to you by Mulcahy Co. Financial Security 360 is at the centre of what we do at Mulcahy Co. If you'd like to speak to one of our professionals about a range of individual and business needs, give us a call.